walking the same old road for miles and miles. Yes. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lie. If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. You got Save it, he's a
Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think somebody wants to testify. Amen. Come on, somebody praise the Lord in this house this morning. Hallelujah. We honor you today, Lord. We honor you this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here on this Sunday morning. I'm glad that God has been good to you this week. I know that he has. I got to tell you, I got to testify. This is the first morning I've woke up in almost three weeks that my tooth doesn't have its own heartbeat. Now, my dentist has been telling me for the last week and a half it was going to get better. I kept telling him he was a liar. No, I didn't tell him that. I was telling Vicky. I said, he ain't telling me the truth. He's just not telling me the truth. And I've had people say to me, Pastor, I got a good dentist. Well, I, I do. I have a great dentist. And uh, he's been working with me over, over the last couple of weeks. And I went in and, and I thought, he was doing a root canal, and he said, no, that's not what I'm doing. And he was doing something else. And then I went in this past week, and I said, we're doing the root canal. He said, well, no, I'm going to take that nerve out. And I thought, well, my God, why are you in there? Just go, I mean, you know, really, just go ahead and do it. And he kept telling me there had been so much trauma in that area that uh, he needed to wait uh, I would have just went ahead if it had been me, but I'm not a dentist. I'm a preacher. So uh, I'm just thanking the Lord I don't have an extra heartbeat this morning. Amen. That, it's a good thing. I can stand, Last week I stood here and the pain, I'm telling you, the pain was so hard. It had to be God that, that got me through the service because as soon as I got out of here, my first phone call was the doctor. And I need you to do something now. So I am very, very thankful to be able to be here first time in, a, in about three weeks where there is no pain. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, let's go over to the Word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 23. You're going to want to stay there this morning with me. We've got the first seven verses and then verse 13 and then verses 23 through 28. And... I hope that you brought your Bible. If you did not, we will have some scripture on the screen. And while you're turning there this morning, it is just awesome to have family in town. They surprised us this morning. We knew they were, they were dropping in today. I did not know they were dropping in for church. But I'm so glad to have uh, Jack and, and Peggy Mason with us. Uh, they are Vicky's aunt and uncle. Well, they're actually my aunt and uncle too because I just I married in and up. And uh, I have the same rights and benefits according to my aunt Peg that the rest of them have. Amen. And uh, that that being that uh, uh, Vicky and Marty were the only niece and nephew. Uh, born into that line with, with her dad and mom. Uh, when I married in, I got the same rights and benefits according to my Aunt Peg. So uh, she, she is a dear lady. And Uncle Jack, we love Uncle Jack. Uh, Uncle Jack took our children. We used to take all of our, I'll tell you this real quick before we, before we go to the word of the Lord. You'll enjoy the. He may not enjoy going down this memory lane. But we used to take all of our vacations up there in the summertime. 
When I had my children at home, some of you can identify with this. When you have children at home and they're like, you know, they're like doorsteps. Uh, how, what kind of a financial crunch sometimes you can be in. And so we would go up and spend a week with them and Aunt Peg would go with us every day. Every day to Kings Island. We'd buy our passes here, we'd go to Kings Island. And we'd spend, you know... It, my children, they, we ran, well, I was as big a kid as they were, I'll just be honest. We ran that part. We knew that part like the back of our hand. Well, one day we decided we'd kind of switch it up, and Uncle Jack would take us fishing. This is one fishing trip that Uncle Jack will never, ever, ever forget. Because my oldest was kind of hyper at that age. And Uncle Jack, I'm not a fisherman. We've got fishermen in this house. I'm not a fisherman. And Uncle Jack got all of our lures together and everything was just right, you know. And we got the bait on there. And I've got Tyler over here, you know. Tyler, I think Tyler fell off the boat that day too. Tyler, I mean, it was, it was just one of them days. Tyler fell off the boat. Thank goodness he had on a life jacket. Ryan, though, we kept saying, now, Ryan, you cannot rear back and cast that line because you're going to hook somebody well he did he did he called Uncle Jack right about here <laughs> and uh, Uncle Jack just kind of laid back he's the most laid back individual I think I've ever met in my life I've never seen him react until that day <laughs> and it was like we're going home <laughs> I mean it was just like we're going home so we walked through the door. And it was after he got the hook out of his jaw. And we walked into the house. We're sitting down at Peg, cooked every day. And we sat down to the meal. We're sitting around the table. And they said, so, did y'all catch anything? And I was, you know me, you know me. I said, well, right, called Uncle Jack. <laughs> I don't think Uncle Jack appreciated that story. So, uh, but that, they're, they're special people to us. They uh, served almost as a second grand set of grandparents to my children growing up. They've been at every event. They've been at every graduation. They've been at every, just about every baby dedication, every wedding ceremony. Uh, they are special people. And I'm so glad they're with us today to be in church. And um, any of, any, anyone else, first-time visitors, please know that you are welcomed here. And if Life Church can do anything for you, we stand ready to minister in any way possible that we can. I, I want us to look at these verses of Scripture uh, together here in just a moment. Um, I want to talk to you. We've been talking about dealing or facing our giants. We're in, we're in our message number three. We're going to talk about a really good subject this morning. I want to look at something called the giant of religion. We dealt with the giant of discouragement. We've dealt with a giant of fear or intimidation. And this morning we're going to talk about a giant of religion. I, I read a story about a young lady who had become a Christian in a very exciting revival meeting that was going on in her local church. She was saved in that meeting and was baptized the closing Sunday morning of the revival. When the afternoon came, she was running through the house. She was singing and dancing. 
And right in the middle of it, her grandfather, who didn't have the joy, was kind of sour, he rebuked her with these words. He said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You just joined the church and you're singing and dancing on the Lord's Day. She left the room, walked out next door beside the house. On that farm was a big barn. And in that barn were a lot of animals. She's crushed by her grandfather's attitude. She goes into the barn. She climbs up on the corral fence and she observed the old mule standing there with this old, sad, droopy face, bleary eyes. And she reached over and she pats the old mule kind of sympathetically and she says to the mule, don't cry, old mule. I guess you've got the same kind of religion that my grandpa has. Never let it be said that our religion turns people off more than it does on. It was the revivalist Steve Hill of the Brownsville Revival that said religion is hanging around the cross. Christianity is hanging on the cross. So this morning I want to kind of continue in this, this arena of dealing with our giants or facing them, slaying them, I don't want to talk to you about the giant of religion this morning. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the experts in Moses' Moses's teachings and the Pharisees teach with Moses' authority. But be careful to do everything they tell you. Don't follow their example because they don't practice what they preach. They make loads that are hard to carry and lay them on the shoulders of the people. However, they are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to attract people's attention. They make their headbands large and tassels on the shawls very long. They love the place of honor at dinners and the front seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have people call them rabbi. Verse 13, Jesus said, How horrible it will be for you experts in Moses' teachings and Pharisees. You hypocrites, you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. You don't even enter it yourselves and you don't permit others to enter when they try. Verse 23. How horrible it will be for you experts in Moses' teaching and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give God one-tenth of your mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These are the most important things in Moses' teachings. You should have done these things without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you stain, you strain gnats out of your wine, but you swallow camels. How horrible it will be for you. Experts in Moses' teachings and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of cups and dishes, but inside they are full of greed and uncontrolled desires. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cups and dishes so that the outside may be clean. How horrible it will be for you experts 
In Moses' teachings and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed graves that look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men or dead people's bones and every kind of impurity. And one last scripture. So on the outside, you look as though you have God's approval, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We're going to look at five signs this morning in the giant of religion. And we're going to see if any of these giants are lurking around any of us. Isn't it something how that the Lord... I tell you what, I was reading this. I kept reading over and over and over in it this week. And the more I read it, I started feeling conviction coming on me. This was the last, this was the last public message that Jesus ever gave. And it's really a scathing denunciation of false religion that paraded under the guise of truth. One of the areas that we're going to look at this morning is that religion is very, very burdensome. These rules and regulations and laws that crushed the people and the religious rulers absolutely did nothing to help. Verse 4 said, They make loads that are hard to carry. They lay them on the shoulders of the people. However, they are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Religion... It's very burdensome. It weighs down the heart. It takes away the passion and the joy. And as we, we read here how that the Pharisees gave people orders concerning the, the religious observance. They had to follow the rules, the regulations, and, and every single law crushed. Crushed the people underneath. And these, these religious rulers did absolutely nothing to bring encouragement or to help. The truth be known, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law could not even keep these rules and these regulations, but they expected everybody else to follow suit underneath the weight of this, this false religion that they were pushing. L listen, in those days, people thought that they would get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. But not only that, there was a structure of other commandments and other rules that had been manufactured through the years over time and all of these had to be observed alongside of the Ten Commandments. There were too many rules. There were too many laws which led to a loss of personal freedom and they caused the people to feel enslaved and burdened and then ultimately led to a desire to escape and to just kind of run away altogether. Maybe you remember some well-meaning believer, some well-meaning Christian telling you about their convictions of what Christians should do and shouldn't do. And maybe, maybe those well-meaning believers and Christians came alongside to you and they were telling you about these convictions. But the only thing you remember about the said conviction is not so much the conviction itself as how pretty dogmatic 
dramatic they were about trying to bring the conviction into your life. I, I won't ask you to raise your hand because I guarantee you we've all got stories as you thought about what they said or, or how they made you feel and, and how that at times there was, you felt maybe that there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to pull this thing off. I can't make it as a Christian. I, there's no way. That I, can, that, that I can own up and, and measure up to what they are expecting me to be. That's why the scripture tells us, Paul said, every person must work out their own salvation with much fear and trembling. What may be permissible in one sense for one believer, another believer may have a personal conviction about it. We should never stand off on the sidelines and point at other people. Sometimes you've got to remove the beam that's in your own eye. You understand? You've got to get that big old log out of your eyes so that you can begin to see what's really transpiring and taking place. Religion can be very burdensome to people. We need to be careful. We need to understand that, that you know, in, in the mind of a Christian, it, it is our job to, to encourage. Yeah, it's our job, absolutely, as, as, as ministers of the gospel to warn the people of sin. I've never walked to this pulpit and never will walk to this pulpit and tell you that it's all right to sin, that you're okay. You know, just try the next Next time to be better. No, you ought to strike and you ought to aim for the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ every time you set out to do a work for God and every time that a temptation comes your way, you ought to try your best. You ought to aim for the perfection because I'm going to tell you something. There is truth in this word and this word can cause you to live holy and righteous in the sight of God. But I will tell you this. God God never expected you to measure up to somebody else's level of, of religion. Never did. Never did. God expects us to read his word and work out our salvation with much fear and trembling. So guess what we're doing this morning? We're coming after the giant of religion. Amen. Religion seeks... To please men. Religion seeks to please men. John, Matthew 5.16 tells us, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Success meant recognition by men and praise by men. Religion, when, when religion is sought after, in other words, I, I'm, going to, I, I'm going to do my best to try to please every person, and, and, and I seek to please every person. Let, let, let me help somebody this morning. Let, let, let me help you, okay? Let me help you in this pursuit of God. You are never, ever going to please everybody. Thank you, Stacy. I was beginning to wonder. You will never please everybody. And you will drive yourself crazy trying to do it. You best just have a, your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, 
I'm not giving anybody permission to do anything you want to do. That's, I'm, not, I'm not giving you, let me say it a better way. I'm not giving you the permission of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying to you that you shouldn't live without conviction. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a set of standards. I'm not even going to tell you that the, the, the church of God, we have some things in place to help believers in discipleship to cause them to want to live better. But at the end of the day, you have between you and God, you better have a prayer life. You better have that ongoing prayer life with the Lord Jesus Christ if you're going to make it in this day and age. Don't think that you got, well, I got saved 35 years ago, and guess what? I'm, I'm just like I was 35 years ago. Well, then I would wonder if you're really saved. If you really had a life-changing, altering moment with Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus came into my life, I can tell you right now, there's no way. I wasn't perfect, and I still am not perfect. But I tell you this, I aim for perfection. I refuse. You remember the other night? I don't know if I ought to do this or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. I told you on Wednesday night, too many people want to see how close to the line they can get without sinning. Let me see. Well, I, 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 well, I'm on the line. I'm on the line, so I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I'm not over here. I'm not over here in the in the land of the of the Pharisees. I'm, I'm still on. Listen, if you're on the line, if you're on the line, you are in the land of the Pharisees. You need to try to stay as far away from that line as possible. Too many people in God's church are trying to live a life that is not pleasing to God. They're trying to live. Oh, Jesus, help me this morning. Some of you may not come back next Sunday. Well, I'll just have to deal with that. You, 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 when, you, when you walk too close to the line, you are giving place to an adversary. You need to make up your mind. There is a separation coming from me and the line. The Lord has laid a line down there, and I'm going to become sanctified and separated, and I'm going to stay as far away from that line as I possibly can. Whew. Hallelujah. Boys, we need some steps up here in the front of this thing. I'm going to tell you what. I didn't, wear my, I didn't wear my watch this morning, so I don't know how many. This is where I get the most exercise on Sunday morning, I guarantee you. Too many people, too many of us think that we can, climb, that we can walk that line so fine and be okay. And then when you try to go back and witness to somebody about Jesus Christ and they look at you and say, well, I live, I live better than you do. We're supposed to live in such a way that when the world looks on us, they can see a difference. I knew I wasn't going to get a whole lot of amens, but I, I did get one over there. Did I get one over here? Thank you. I did get an amen. Probably need to move on. No, no, no. Let me, let me. Here's what the Pharisees did, okay? They took small leather boxes into which the Pharisees, they placed portions of the Scripture that were worn by Jewish men at the morning prayer as a reminder to keep the law. Did you hear that? They had a wooden box that they attached to their garment that had Scripture so they would remember to keep the law. 
the word of the Lord says, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Folks, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is more than able to keep us on the right path if we will allow the Holy Spirit to move and dwell and be in our lives. I keep hearing people talk about, man, we, we're ready, Pastor, we're so ready to see a revival break out at Life Church. And we're just, oh man, I'm so excited. I just want to see the power of God move and shake people. And, and, and I want to I see people saved and brought to the kingdom of God listen more than anything else I want us not to be religious I want us to walk the fine line walk away from the line and be separated and accounted so that the spirit of God can move and the spirit of the Lord can break the bonds of religion we are not a religious people we are the people of God sanctified by his power Lord I feel the old school coming on me this morning we used to sit back and look at people and we judge things that they've done let me tell you something the Holy Spirit said you need to start judging the things that you're doing you need to look inwardly they, they, would, they would take those word, they would take those scriptures and put them in the boxes they, they wore their boxes on their foreheads and, and their arms in literal obedience to what the scripture talked about in Deuteronomy 6 and 8 it was called the creed of Judaism they also increased the sides of their tassels on the hems of their garments. The Pharisees also thought that position was a mark of greatness. So they sought the best seats in the synagogue. You, listen, Jesus came and messed every bit of that up. He never talked about being great in the kingdom. He said, you want to be great, become small. You, 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 oh, hallelujah. He said, I, I am the least of these. Paul began to tell us in his writing, I must decrease so that he must increase. Jesus came in. The reason they hated him is because Jesus was never religious. Jesus said it's not about that. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And if you're going to be a kingdom minded person, you've got to increase and you've got to allow the spirit of God to rise up within you and bring the increase that is needed in your life. Albert Einstein Never claimed to be spiritual, but he said, try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. True greatness is found in serving others, not in forcing others to serve us. When I came through the door at Life Church, I told you then, and I'll tell you now, and I'll tell you for as long a time as we have here together, as congregation and pastor, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And if I can't show you how to serve, I don't need to be here. Amen. It's about, it's about the service of the kingdom of Almighty God. In our own lives, we've got to, we've got to seek the approval of God over man's. Man will absolutely put things on your life that will cause you to feel as though there's no way I'm never going to be able to measure up. Number three, religion will hinder your faith. Religion 
will hinder your faith. He told them in verse 13, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. I believe one of the enemy's greatest traps is when people are searching for the kingdom of God, he throws religion their way, and here is how to get to heaven. I think one of the greatest travesties of, 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 of our day is when people witness, even on Christian television, men and women supposedly of God that aren't doing the right thing. It's, you know, it's not hard to tell somebody that they can give a seed when you live in a million-dollar house. Well, I heard somebody about ready to clap there, but that's okay. I'm not here to attack anybody. I'm just here to tell you that's what religion will do. We better understand and know that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. One of those greatest, the enemy's greatest trap is when people begin to search for the kingdom of heaven that he throws religion out there. Usually tied around you, you have to earn it. Sometimes you, you have to earn it. It's a, it's a duty to perform. Listen, it, it's not a duty to perform. When you are in love with Jesus, you just want to do ministry. You want to minister to others. You want to love on people. You want to help people get to heaven. That is the principle of the kingdom of God. It, it's bad enough to keep yourself out of the kingdom. But worse, when we stand in the way of others by teaching man-made traditions instead of the truth of the Holy Spirit, they, they literally close the doors to salvation. Religion is an impossible yoke to carry. You, you, you know what happens when you try to accomplish something that God never meant for you to accomplish. You become burnt out, mean, and critical. You don't have the patience that you're supposed to have. You begin to see people at task rather than relationship. Listen, the greatest the greatest joy in the kingdom of God is that we are loving God and we are loving people and we are serving humanity and we're reaching out to the fatherless and the widows and we're ministering and we take time out of our schedule and we love on people. That's why this month of October that we're taking the stance that we are and I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot that we've actually taken on for the month of October but I'm going to tell you I believe that God you, you, you want the revival you want God's spirit to move I believe that when we step out of our comfort zones and we get outside the four walls of the sanctuary and we start giving a, a, a hot dog or a hamburger or a, or a diet Mountain Dew in the name of Jesus listen that right there will get you a long way with God okay you start doing something in the name of the Lord and you minister to people. Sometimes all they want you to do is listen to them. Man, I've had the Holy Spirit deal with me and go, listen. Look them in the eye and listen. And I'm going, Lord, do you know how much I got to do? And the Lord's going, just stop and listen. They got something they need to tell you. Sometimes they just, somebody just needs to look at somebody and be able to just tell them what's going on. The hurt, the pain, the frustration. 
Here's one that we understand. Religion only sees people's faults. Religion only sees people's faults. The religious leaders on one occasion were coming down on the disciples for not washing their feet or their hands and they were eating some food with unclean hands and Jesus, in Mark chapter 7, he rebuked them. Religion only sees what you're doing wrong according to your understanding. I read the story of a fellow pastor who shared about his 13-year-old daughter. She was in middle school. He was attending a weekly breakfast, prayer breakfast. It started around 5.30 in the morning. And his daughter came to him. Now, this is a middle school, middle school student. She comes to him and she says, Dad, can I go to prayer breakfast with you next Tuesday? He said, it starts at 5.30. We have to be there at 5.30. She said, I, I want to go. And he said, you know, I, I, I thought for a moment, I don't, you know, this is going to be more of an inconvenience on me. And he said, the Holy Spirit pricked his heart. He said, listen to her. Listen to her. So he said to her, okay, we, we, we got to leave the house at this time because we, you know, I don't want to just show up at 5.30. I, I need to be there before time. There's a few people I need to talk to. So we're going to have to get up and you're going to have to get ready for school because when we leave the prayer breakfast, I'm going to have to drop you off at school. I know, Dad, I want to go. And this happened for like three weeks in a row. She was getting up, getting ready to go. Prayer breakfast, 5.30, Tuesday mornings, and then going to school. He said, man, I, I started to see God doing a work in her. He said, well, one of the strangest things in the prayer breakfast was there was a, a, a lady that kept trying to get his daughter to move over to her table. He said, I thought it was strange. She tried that from day one. She kept trying to, every Tuesday morning, three, three Tuesdays in a row, she kept trying to, she'd say, honey, come over here and sit, and his daughter would just stay there with him. The last prayer breakfast that this young lady attended, she came in, she sat down with her father, and an older gentleman began to berate her and other women because they were sitting at the men's table. And there was a section for the women on the other side of the room. So that was the last prayer breakfast that this middle school student ever went to. And that's the only thing she remembered about the prayer breakfast. She didn't remember the weeks before when the tugging of the Holy Spirit was the agent behind her wanting to go and even be a part of it. All she remembered was there was a man there who didn't want her at the table. Religion oftentimes will look at the faults of individual. Here's the thought. 
Isn't that what religious people do all the time? They find fault in something so minor rather than taking care of their own lives. I've seen people get so bent out of shape. If you didn't sing enough hymns or if you sang too many courses off of the wall and, 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 and how dare you have a set of drums in the church and, and you, never call, you never call Resurrection Sunday. I mean, come on, really? I mean, over the, 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 the smallest things, the point is this. There is a common thread in these folks. They are religious. They didn't, they didn't have any fruit of the kingdom of God. They usually destroy the work of God rather than build it. They're just a different version of a suicide bomber. They destroy one person at a time. Listen, we don't have time to be religious. We've got to be spiritual. And you've got to be about the kingdom of God. If you're going to reach people in this day and age, you've got to be spiritual. Spiritual. My Lord. Oh, here's a good one. Religion looks really good on the outside. We know how to dress it up, buddy. Next Sunday, I'm going to wear a pink bow tie because Stacy wore his pink tennis shoes today for cancer awareness. I'm going to wear my pink bow tie. We all know how to dress it up. God's not looking on the outside to see how put together you are. God's going to look on the inside of your heart to see how put together you are. Or maybe how not put together you are and how he wants to take that place in your life where you're not so put together and help starting to bring a healing bomb. Let's face it. We've all got our issues. We all have our problems. We all have our things that we deal with on a, on a daily basis. We, we, we have struggles. We, sometimes you just have to get real in the presence of God. Now, this, I'm not telling you you need to start confessing your stuff to, to people. And if, and if you feel God telling you that, you better find somebody that ain't a gossip. <clears throat> You better find somebody that you know that you can trust. If you just feel enamored inside of you, I, you just got to share this. It might be that God just says, get your Bible and go to a place and just get in my presence and talk to me and let me talk to you. Let me help you because religion knows how to dress up what's on the outside. What was it? What was it that Jesus said? He used a couple of word pictures to bring home his point. He used a cup and a dish that is clean on the outside but is filthy on the inside. The Pharisees looked so holy and right on the outside. They, they had their long tassels attached to their robes. They had their prayer boxes on their side and on their head. They didn't have any of the word in their heart, but they had it. Jesus said... They were whitewashed tombs on the outside that looked beautiful and clean, but on the inside they were full of rotting bones. Here's the point. Everything on the outside looks good, but what truly matters is the inside. The inside is wickedness and it's death. You see, this morning we are more concerned with our outward appearance at times than we are on the inside. The thoughts, the beliefs, our character. Listen, 
We can dress it up, but, but what is it that the Lord is seeing? What is it that when he looks on us, I've been praying, oh God, when you look in me, when you look in my heart, when you see me, when you see me in nakedness, when you see the nakedness of my heart, what do you see? What do you see? Wednesday nights. Well, you think this is tough this morning. You ought to be here on Wednesday nights. We've been going through the book of James. You can hear a pin drop on Wednesday nights. We've been going through the book of James. I said to the Lord, you know, why, you know, why is it, why is it that we're in James and we're dealing with this stuff? I'm still waiting on an answer from him. I haven't heard anything yet, but <laughs> do what? It just doesn't happen sometimes, does it? Wednesday nights we've been dealing with it. We dealt with the root of bitterness. We dealt with why do people argue and fuss? What causes wars? What causes confusion? What causes distress between people? We talked about a root of bitterness. Why, why is that? You, you got to understand something about this preacher, okay? Deep down, deep down inside of me, I'm a revivalist. I, Lord God, I love to have prayer lines. I love to, I love to sling sweat on people <laughs> in prayer lines. Say, so y'all, some of y'all freaking right now. You're like, oh dear God, he's not gonna have prayer line this morning, is he? No, the anointing's different this morning. You can't do that. You got to know when the season is right. My friend Mike White used to tell me I was a wise evangelist. We'd go out to eat with pastors, and pastors would sit there, and they'd talk about different things, and I, would just, I was just quiet. I'd just sit there and smile. We'd get in the car, and he'd say, you are a wise evangelist. And I've tried to bring that to the table. That there are things, oh God, I think I'm afraid that I would scare a few people if I told you everything that I feel in my heart that God wants to do on this house. But there again, we're in for the long haul and we're only three months into this journey. But the, the inside of me is going, we got, you know, the activator inside of me is going, we got to get there, we got to get there, we got to get there. And the Lord's saying, you, you've got to deal with these issues before you can have a true sense of revival that breaks out. For revival to come, there has to be an emptying out. You get to a place where you say, God, I don't have anything left on the inside. I, Lord, I don't have anything left at all. I'm, I'm, I'm empty. And he goes, good. Now. Now. Now I can do it. I get you to the place of emptiness. And then... I can bring you to the place, to the altar, and I can begin to shape and form and put back together. I'm not so much interested, and I believe that there's enough of us in this house that we're not so much interested. We're just a clean up. I mean, we've been working around this property and fixing things and 
trying to make a good impression, first impression on people that come up on this property. But that ain't the way it works with us. There has to be a spiritual thing that takes place. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, O God, on earth as it's being done in heaven. Help me to slay the giant of religion this morning in me. The giant of religion that says, look at me. Look where I'm at. Look what I'm doing. Look how far I've come. Help us to slay. Help this pastor to slay a giant of religion in his own life today, Lord. Help me not to look down on anybody else. Because they're in a place that's not maybe as comfortable at the time. If there's any boasting, let it be in you. Let our boasting be in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Help us to walk in the spirit of humility. Help me to judge myself. Help me to slay a giant of religion this morning, Lord. Help me to help some other people in this house. To face that giant of religion and to slay that giant of religion today. Put him under. Take off his head. Sever the arteries that are producing the blood to that system that causes one to become religious. Lord, help us to sever that thing today. Help us to be a people of mercy and compassion in everything that we do. Even against those who trespass against us. You are a mighty God. So that the reality of the song we sang a few moments ago, it's your breath in our lungs. And so we pour out our praise. When the reality of your kingdom comes to such a degree that we worship you in reckless abandonment. I wondered this morning, as you're standing right now all over this building, if there are some people in this house that will come stand in this front with me and say today, Pastor, I want to slay the giant of religion. Can I find anybody this morning that would say it? I want to slay the giant of religion today. I see it. I see its presence 
and I just want to slay it today. I want to deal with this giant. Come on this morning. It's your breath, God, that we seek. It is your likeness that we seek. It is your kingdom that we seek. Come on, keep coming this morning. Don't be afraid to step out. Don't be intimidated. We've dealt with the giant of fear. Don't let him rise back up this morning and tell you. Somebody down here may need you to come stand alongside them and help slay this giant of religion. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit today. Move, I pray. You see every need. You see every person. You see those this morning, God, that are walking. There are others in this room right now. You know you need to do it. You know you need to deal with that root of bitterness. You know you need to deal with that thing today, that spirit of offense. You need to deal with that so that God's Spirit can rise up within you. So that you can move forward in His grace and in His power. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Come on, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. There are others in this room. You want to come right now. Come on. Come on, we're waiting. We're waiting. God's Spirit is waiting right now. Come on. Get out of your seat. Make your way. In Jesus' name. Make your way to this front. It's your breath, God, that we seek. It is your power that we want to become passionate about. It is the Spirit of the Most High. Oh, God, move in the midst, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Is there anybody that wants to come and just pray with these? Maybe you want to come stand with them or pray with them. I invite you to come right now.
Somebody sing that. Our hearts will cry. These bones will see. Great are you, Lord. All the earth declare it this morning. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will see. Great. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our Great are you, Lord. 
great are you, Lord, this morning. Father, I pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, I pray that you would watch over your people in the coming days. Watch over them, protect them, Almighty God. Help us to continually slay the giants that present themselves against us. Help us to rise up as spiritual people in this last day. God, you have enabled us. We are not to be fearful. You have enabled us for the task ahead. And we go forward in your name and in your righteousness this morning. Not of our own righteousness, but of the righteousness of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. I worship you. I give you praise this morning for your goodness and what you're doing, God among us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We have prayer tomorrow night at 7.